easily the most beautiful episode of any Star Wars show that I've ever seen. This episode for me did so many things. Not only were there a million different characters being introduced when you're still not over the last thing that just happened, but the amount of decisions and lore and the roadmaps that this produces for future Star Wars content and future episodes and shows is literally limitless. We have a lot to talk about today in today's video. There are probably 20 other videos that I'm going to be making regarding this episode because there are so many things that we got to go into. It has me so excited. Thank you to the over 14,000 of you that were in the watch party last night. I love doing those with you guys. It's always a great emotional time. So let's get to today's breakdown and let's start right off with going scene by scene with everything. So the Pikes are on Tatooine and they're transporting and trading spice in Mos Espa when we see Cobb Vanth show up once again, which is really cool to see him. Now Cobb isn't a fan of the Pikes running spice in Mos Pelgo, so he shoots him down eventually, they have a bit of a standoff, after they draw on him and he lets the last one go, who eventually I believe will tip off Cad Bane, of course. Cobb Vanth kicks open the lid of the treasure and it's just a box full of spice. So he tips it over to blow out into the wind, getting rid of it. So this tells us that Cobb really doesn't care about money or anything like that because he could have sold that spice for a ton of credits. However, he sticks to his guns literally and kicks it into the wind. Jumping into space, the N1 Naboo Starfighter is seen heading towards what I think is the forest moon of Endor. Now I'm not sure if this was just my ears playing tricks on me, but when we head into the planet, we can hear some Ewoks. We get that awesome Top Gun angle in the cockpit, and we get to see the inside of the Starfighter as Din pilots it. As the Mandalorian lands, R2-D2 brings him in and takes him to wait for Luke, as we see androids building what looks like the first hut for Luke's Jedi Academy. This might be the hut that we see in the Last Jedi flashback, but there's really no way of knowing for sure just yet. Now obviously the androids are building a school, and perhaps a temple. R2 drops into a sleep and the ant droids build a bench for him where he sits to wait and might I say it was beautiful seeing R2 once again. Luke and Grogu are seen meditating atop a hill. The deep fake is the best that I've ever seen, the technology is out of this world and it kind of just opens up so many different ideas for future shows and projects that they want to do because literally now they can do whatever they want and it's going to sell, it's going to look legit. This looks like a young Luke Skywalker five years after Return of the Jedi. It couldn't be more perfect. Well, it could be a little bit, but that would be nitpicking. I think it looks absolutely phenomenal. As they meditate, Grogu raises a frog with the Force to eat, just like you know he wanted to eat in Season 1 of the Mando, when the Mandalorian was seeking help from Kuehl. Now Luke wakes up and looks at Grogu all funny, because he's not paying attention to his lessons, he's not meditating. So he raises dozens of frogs with the Force so that Grogu sees maybe using the Force can bring him more of what he wants. Kind of like enticing a child to do some chores with treats or playtime. I think Luke is doing this to show Grogu the difference in Force abilities, and also maybe to entice Grogu as we learn that he's having a hard time training him because of how loosely into everything Grogu is. So they take a walk and Luke actually makes Grogu hop with the Force, much like a frog. And he starts to tell him about Master Yoda and how size matters not. This scene was absolutely beautiful for me, just getting the callbacks and him remembering Yoda and talking to Grogu about Yoda because really there are only three Yoda species that we know in Star I mean, we don't even know what their species are called. We've seen Yoda, Yadel, and now Grogu. 
So he asks Grogu if he remembers anyone talking in riddles and talking backwards like Yoda used to back home. Grogu doesn't remember. So Luke asks him if he wants to remember and touches his head much like Obi-Wan touched Luke's in A New Hope, albeit, you know, to wake him up, this time to reinvigorate Grogu's memories that he lost or purposely lost for him. This scene was completely out of left field. I didn't expect this. It showed us a vision of Grogu's memories during Order 66 in Revenge of the Sith. The first thing I'm going to mention is how the aura vignette is like Anakin's visions of Padme in Revenge of the Sith. So Anakin's main power, his greatest power actually, which he lost on Mustafar to Obi-Wan Kenobi, was his ability to see into the future. And this was no more once he became Darth Vader in the mask. So this callback of a vision being remembered is reminiscent of Anakin's visions. Grogu is remembering being at the temple. Three Jedi are protecting him during the raid on the Jedi Temple by the 501st. Now, it could very well be that Grogu is watching this on a screen somewhere at the temple, or he's actually there right behind those three Jedi who just got killed. The 501st are the clone troopers loyal to Anakin Skywalker, and they are the ones leading the charge. They fought with him during the Clone Wars, and then of course marched the temple with him during Order 66, following the orders of Lord Vader. Now the 501st eventually turned into Vader's fist during the time of the Galactic Empire but essentially they're the same thing. Now as for who the Jedi were, I don't know, but I do know who they aren't, and I'll be making a video on this solely if there's more information about it, but right now I'll just tell you, it's not Sindrelig, as Anakin was fighting him in the hologram that Obi-Wan sees at the Jedi Temple, and Anakin also terminated Sindrelig in the Revenge of the Sith video game and the novelization mentioned, so I doubt that this would be how Drelig dies. That being said, it's also not his lightsaber when I paused and zoomed in. The other two are just Jedi Knights, I think, or maybe Jedi Masters, who are probably stationed there to protect Grogu, maybe by orders of Master Yoda or somebody else. As for who took Grogu, I am not sure, but believe me, I got some theories on who I actually think it is, or rather, a few theories. Pretty insane how the 501st shoot at the already lifeless body of the Jedi, hey? That's one thing I noticed. It's like they've, that inhibitor chip really affected them entirely. So we're taken back out of the flashback and Din is surprised by Ahsoka, which surprised me too. He asks to see Grogu and she basically tells him it'll just make it harder for Grogu if he sees him again. So now he's kind of at a really hard crossroad here. He wants to gift him the Beskar chain link armor that he had made for him and says to Ahsoka that it's his right as a foundling, a Mandalorian foundling that is. So Ahsoka questions, why is he not a Jedi Padawan now, instead of a foundling? Din seems heartbroken and the scene is super heavy, it's very breaking, as we know that Din realizes he must not make it harder for Grogu if he sees him. So he chooses what's best for Grogu in the moment and gives the gift to Ahsoka Tano to give to Grogu blasting off in his N1 Naboo Starfighter as Grogu reaches out for him, which was a very beautiful scene, very sad scene, and I know they're writing it this way to increase the tensions of Grogu and Din finally meeting again. Most likely on Tatooine, I think. Luke trains with Grogu much like how he trained with Yoda on his back. He runs through the forest much like Dagobah and even does the same front flip like we see in The Empire Strikes Back. The callbacks are beautiful and they're not overbearing, they're very nice. Luke speaks of balance. This is something that Qui-Gon preached, and we're gonna see Ahsoka talk some similar stuff too, which I'm gonna mention. I also love how we're seeing a bit of Legends Luke 
where he's talking, you know, different ideologies of the Jedi, of the Force in general, of balance. Taking things from the Republic-era Jedi and molding them into his own way, a better way in my opinion, and I think Ahsoka is going to have more influence on him as well, as she's not so dogmatic like the Jedi were. She's merely just a Force user in the light. You know, not dogmatic like Palpatine would tell Anakin, that is. Luke has Grogu standing on one leg, just like he did on one hand on Dagobah, and trains with his green lightsaber as Grogu watches on in curiosity. He trains Grogu with the marksman training remote. This is the one that we saw Obi-Wan use on Luke in A New Hope all those years ago. This was Luke's first entrance into the Force and to train his Jedi reflexes, something Qui-Gon noticed in Anakin very quickly upon their meeting. Grogu is a quick learner and begins leaping with the Force much like Yoda, flipping, dodging blasts from the remote, and then finally crushing it. He is obviously really powerful with the Force, and there's some sort of a reason why his memory was wiped. As to who did it or why they did it, I don't know, and I can't wait to find out. Maybe he was protecting something, or maybe someone didn't want him revealing something, or rather they didn't want someone getting something from Grogu's mind that could be detrimental to their cause, good or bad. Ahsoka remarks that Luke taught Grogu well, as Luke says that he's just beginning to remember. And we get a beautiful line where she tells him, sometimes the student guides the master. As she smiles and looks like she's reminiscing of her time with Anakin, Sky Guy and Snips sure had their beautiful moments. Now, we must also recall that Grogu was very powerful in the Force. This isn't his first time just learning how the Force works. He used to be extremely strong in it. Mind you, he was training with all the Jedi at the Jedi Temple, and he's 50 now. So he knew Dooku, he knew Mace Windu, he knew Yoda, he knew everybody. So he must have learned a lot from them. Ahsoka gives Luke some words of wisdom, and we can see that she is truly his superior, and he respects her greatly. Luke takes the gift from Mando as Ahsoka passes it to him and wonders if Grogu's heart is really in it. This is when we finally start to learn that maybe Luke is having issues training Grogu. After all, Grogu is his first student ever. So this Luke isn't the Luke that we're going to see later. This Luke is still quite uncertain about things. So in another five years, then that could be really the Luke that we have seen in Legends, the Jedi Master Luke perhaps, who's very wise. When Ahsoka says, so much like your father, and smiles at him, this obviously was probably the most melting scene that we could have gotten. I can't wait for the moment when they start talking about Anakin in full and maybe even see him as a force ghost. Grogu tires out and Luke asks Ahsoka for advice on what to do about him for he just doesn't seem to be fully into training of becoming a Jedi. And she tells him to distrust his instincts, a very Ahsoka thing to say. And mind you, it kind of reminded me of Qui-Gon. And while there's no callback to him, I don't think at least, it's just great to see that Ahsoka is influencing Luke from her perspective of things, not as you know a dogmatic Jedi of the Republic, but rather as a force user that she is now. So Luke asks if he'll ever see her again, and she says perhaps, may the force be with you. Now, of course, I think that they're totally going to see each other again. I think, you know, we have so much more to dive into there. How did they meet? You know, what was that interaction like? Are we going to get a flashback of it? Are they going to see each other in Ahsoka? What more could happen there? Now, I think Luke really does look up to her, as Dave Filoni even said and went into a bit of detail in the making of the season two finale episode on Disney+. He said something like she's his superior and much more experienced in the Force and what can she teach him kind of thing. I'm paraphrasing entirely. And I believe she can teach Luke a ton. 
Mando lands back on Tatooine and joins the meeting with Fennec, Mando, Chrysanthemum, and the mayor's assistant, and the street gang. The mods, they call them. She tells them the Pikes have been gathering numbers in the last few weeks, and their army is growing, and that they own the mayor who has left Tatooine. So far, the three territories seem to lay low and let the Pikes move on Boba's territory. So Mando tells them that he can help recruit more foot soldiers. As he flies in Mos Pelgo, now known as Freetown, we see the Jawas carrying the head of the crate dragon skeleton that they killed in The Mandalorian Season 2. As Mando lands down, Cobb Vanth and his new assistant greet the Mandalorian. So he buys Vanth a drink, Mando asks him to recruit his people to fight with Boba against the Pikes, and Vanth eventually obliges to join the fight, and Mando leaves when the wind starts to sway and we get the most western moment in all of Star Wars history. A mysterious figure hazy in the heat of the twin suns, baking off the ground, nearing the town. The mysterious man is Cad Bane, the most dangerous bounty hunter in all of the galaxy. He put Jedi away during the Clone Wars, including having made Obi-Wan look like a chump a few times, and even worked with Obi-Wan himself, but you know, at the time he didn't know Obi-Wan was Obi-Wan, he was actually Reiko Hardeen. Now a bit of backstory on him, and I'll be releasing more videos as well, and if you haven't seen my top 10 facts about Cad Bane, go check it out. He wears a face mask, not because he can't breathe, but because he has a tube down his throat that disallows a Jedi to force choke him, and of course, it allows him to breathe in space. I'm wondering if Luke's gonna fight him and try to use the force to choke his throat, which he did in Return of the Jedi, but I don't know if they're gonna allow him to do it again now. But if he did, it would be absolutely wild. And of course it wouldn't work because Cad Bane has that device in his throat. And also of course it allows him to breathe in space. He tells Cobb Vanth whatever Fett is paying him that they'll match it. And to let things play out, that they just gotta stay put and let it happen. He threatens Vance and tells him that Boba Fett is a cold-blooded killer who worked for the Empire. So this is big news. Maybe Boba has been playing it soft until the final episode when he goes absolutely bonkers and we see the Fett that Cad Bane is used to, that we're used to. He tells Cobb Vance that he should never have given up his armor. And I'm just wondering, how the heck does he know this? Has he been watching this town for a long time? Maybe the Pikes have been here since before season two of The Mandalorian, scoping things out. Maybe Cad Bane has been on Tatooine scoping things out. Maybe he's been around different planets trying to scope out which planet is the best to run spice through. So anyways, he squares off with Cobb and the new guy, like a good old Western, and takes them both out. Now, I've never seen a hand faster than Cad Bane in the galaxy. He's exceptionally skilled and very dangerous. So the Pikes then plant a bomb in a Camtono in Madame Garza Fwip's lounge, and they blow the place up. Sadly, I don't think anyone really survived that. I mean, it is possible, but the one thing that is a positive out of this is that Max Rebo wasn't there, at least is nowhere to be seen. So it looks like he gets to live to play another day. The Force is definitely with him. I mean, he survived Jabba's barge, and now he survived this. So yeah. maybe he's the key to all of this. So Boba's probably going to be extra upset that they blew up his territory and won't see kindly to it. Finally, back on what I think is the Force Moon of Endor, Luke and Grogu continue. Luke sits in the finished hut from the ant droids, which they completed. I guess now they're creating the rest of the temple or something. And he gives Grogu the choice between going back with Din the Mandalorian or choosing the path of the Jedi by giving him Yoda's lightsaber. Now this is a huge scene with tons to discuss. 
First off, Yoda's lightsaber is alive and well. In the canon comics, it was actually destroyed by Mass Amida, so I guess they retconned that, and I'm really happy that they did. How it was destroyed, well, you can go check out the comics, or you can watch my videos covering the comics. However, I will briefly say, or I could just insert a clip right here. With the grace of our Emperor Palpatine, we were saved from that treachery. As we see the clones throw barrel after barrel of Jedi lightsabers into a massive furnace, it's pretty obvious what they're about to do with them. Now, I want you all to look closely with me as Masamita maniacally looks to the last saber holding it to the sky to be burned and with it the perceived memory of the Jedi altogether. That is until Luke shows up. We have entered a new age. An age of freedom! We can actually see that he's holding the lightsaber of none other than Jedi Grandmaster, Yoda. As he throws it into the furnace, Palpatine sighs with relief. Masamita actually takes Yoda's lightsaber in the kind of town hall of Coruscant at the center of the city and just throws it into a furnace amongst all the other lightsabers that they collected during Order 66 of the Jedi that they took out. So I'm glad to see that it's back. I guess they retconned that scene, and I think it's a good move. Luke tells Grogu that he can choose, and that if he chooses the way of the Jedi, he may never see the Mandalorian again because he lives for so long. Grogu can't choose, and we end the episode. So what I'm thinking is, Luke is telling Grogu if he chooses the Mando, then he'll give in to attachment and forsake in the way of the Jedi, which is what he says. Which I understand many have an issue with, as it was the attachment that Luke had for his father, for Anakin Skywalker, that saved the galaxy in the first place against Darth Vader and the Emperor. That being said, Luke knows that Grogu's heart isn't in this, and so he's giving him a choice, which I really like. Luke consciously chose to become a Jedi. He tells Yoda and Ben Kenobi this in the hut on Dagobah in The Empire Strikes Back. Now, it's Grogu's turn to choose. So if Grogu chooses the Mandalorian, he won't become a Jedi, and if he chooses the lightsaber, he may never see Din again. I think what's going to happen for the season finale of The Book of Boba Fett is he either chooses both, you know, Force levitates both of them, or he chooses the Mandalorian, where Luke takes Grogu back to Tatooine, and we end up in a crossfire of a massive all-out war. The Mandalorian is in some serious trouble, and Luke Skywalker steps in using the Force and his green lightsaber to protect the Mandalorian and everybody else, perhaps, maybe except Boba Fett, or maybe with Boba Fett too. In the end, all is well, hopefully, or maybe for at least a few, and Grogu understands in order to save those that you love, you need to develop your powers as a Jedi to protect innocent and good people. I hope he chooses the Mandalorian because it just means that Luke will end up on Tatooine kicking butt, just like in the Mandalorian season two finale, only more intense now probably. Maybe he'll be fighting Cad Bane, maybe he'll be fighting the Pikes, maybe he'll be fighting Crimson Dawn and Kira, or perhaps a Sith that comes along with it, like Darth Talon. The possibilities are quite endless for what could happen if Luke goes back to Tatooine, and of course, we could see the Lars homestead. Thank you so much for watching this breakdown. Let me know your thoughts down below of what you think will happen in the season finale. I hope it's over an hour long. I love you all. Thanks for joining the watch party, and I will see you all in the next episode of Star Wars Theory. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you. Always.